Welcome to episode 8 of Flopstars. If you're new here, Flopstars is a podcast looking at our favourite pop stars in our hearts who can't quite compete on the charts. I'm joined, as always, by our resident pop expert, Nick Kelly, to look at an underrated project that has won cult adoration. This week, the Veronica's Hook Me Up album is our subject. The second record from the Brisbane duo catapulted them to become one of the biggest pop acts in the country, with number one records and a string of singles that have stood the test of time. Internationally, they made their first major splash, but despite being a great pop album, it failed to solidify their place in the global pop space. More than a decade later, Untouched is having a moment though, as the track has become an Australian festival favourite. Hello, hello, Nick. How are you oh, today? Oh, Sam, so good and so excited for this particular podcast. Um, I've, I've been looking forward to this one. We've kind of had the season mapped out for a few weeks now of who we're going to do each week. And this is a, yeah. this is a real needle in the haystack of the, uh, of the Pop Flop it Stars is. series. I felt excited too. Not that I haven't been excited for every episode, but there's been some episodes that I could have done without but this one i what like miley cyrus is younger now <laughs> absolutely <laughs> miley cyrus was the one in mind <laughs> having said that it was a very good episode if you want to go back and listen highly encouraged anyway this week we are without further ado this week we're doing the veronica's hook me up record which was their second album and i would also say their biggest album which is interesting because we put them in this flop stars context Yeah, it's a weird one. So basically, this came out at the end of 2007. This was a few years into the Veronica's existence. They were household names in Australia, um, and they were trying to break pretty quickly the US market. Their first single ever in the middle of 2005 was a Max Martin, Dr. Luke production, um, which put them on the radar of the record labels to push them as a priority, um, both in Australia and in the US. But... Yeah, they did a really good job coming straight out the gates in 2005 um, as a priority for Australia. They'd um, had a couple of connections in in the higher music world when they were really young um, and pushed themselves into... Plants. Industry plants! We're calling the Veronica's industry plants. But they did a really good job of carving out... Um, a sound and it was that that great sort of naughties pop rock bit of punk attitude yeah. kind of sound the emo eyeliner um, they were twin sisters which was an interesting story that hadn't really been done um, which yeah. which is wild and yeah they were they were household names in Australia so for them to come back with this sort of like they, they were sort of like teen idols in the mid noughties and then towards the late noughties when they yeah. started to get towards hook me up um, they started to add a little bit of like sex to the music and a little bit of a um, little bit of raunchiness to the music with titles like hook me up um, so their perception in Australia was a, was a rapidly evolving one um, and the, it was that they were a yeah. really exciting pop act absolutely and let's just talk about the reason why we've put them in this flop stars episode because if you look at the stats from the album particularly in Australia it's not a flop at all there were four top 10 singles from the record there was one number one single the album went to number two I think and was a big success for them and certainly kind of solidified them as the premier pop act in the country um and to some extent it did do 
while breaking them overseas. I think Untouched was their first kind of entrance into many international charts. Yeah. But if you were to put them up with any kind of international giant pop act at the time, they kind of pale in comparison um, through no fault of their own because the record is of a quality that I think was the first time that Australia was really kind of dipping their toes into the international pop world and having some success with it since, I don't know, maybe like Savage Garden. And it's interesting, they're both from Brisbane. There's something in the water in Brisbane and we keep seeing that. There's something in the water in Brizzy. I would know that. You would? Having a fiancé from the beautiful city of Brisbane. (laughs) From the sunshine state. Um, Yeah, the chart positions on this are really interesting. Untouched did did number two in Australia. I need to go and find out what blocked it from number one. That would be really interesting. Um, Did number 17. uh, Without a doubt. uh, Top 20 (laughs) in the US. Um, which is massive for an Australian pop song to do that Top well. Top 20 in the US. Did number 17 in the US. That's Untouched, the single, Not Hook Me Up, the album. Yeah. Um, they're actually the first Australian artist to have a platinum US single as well. They had a million paid downloads on Untouched. So this was a massive song wow. in the US. But interestingly with Untouched, it took till late 2009 for it to be re-released in the UK and come out um, as a hit. And then wow. after that, they re-released Forever into the UK market. So this was a time where music... Exactly. Forever was from 2005. Yeah. This is late 2009. It wasn't kind of working at the, in real time around the world, exactly. which is so interesting to consider. It's so polar opposite to the globalisation of music that we know now, where everything is so set to one time around the world. And yes, you might have markets that take it to radio quicker or that you know it becomes a streaming priority quicker and becomes a bigger hit quicker. Um, but with this, yeah. this was the world where you broke in markets individually and the the market wasn't looking, the US wasn't looking to the UK for a hit and the US wasn't looking to Australia for a hit. Um, everything had to break yeah. individually and you had to do really well in one market to have a case for the record label to make you a priority in another market. And that's a really interesting way that this this band and this album and this song in particular, Untouched, um, spread across the world in such a, a slow, considered way, which I think is a real testament to the strength of the music at the end of the day. Absolutely. And let's consider too that it was kind of a priority at the time to break Australian acts in the US. Um, and they tried very heavily with Delta Goodrum and they tried very heavily with Vanessa Amorossi and nothing ever kind of took. But for some reason the Veronicas were the ones that looked like they were going to be really promising entrance into the international scene. And they kind of almost got there. And then, I mean, they sort of disappeared in a way, but this record to me, um, and certainly the quality of untouched, I think they deserve to be a little further up than just like the lower ends of the top 20. I feel like untouched now, like, even sounds like a number one hit. Absolutely. When you consider it in the context of Carly Rae Jepsen and um, even Charlie XCX and Zara Larson, everybody making that four to the floor, Dua Lipa, four to the floor pop music, it's like sound, almost sounds current in 2020. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about it is it's um it's a, it's a very fast song. I think it's about 100 and... 
50. It's always towards the bottom of the BPM list when I'm DJing. Um, it's <laughs> is like, it really? It's one of the last. <laughs> it's like 150 something BPM, which is such a fast song. But if you think about it, it's like, like it's very, very speedy. Yeah. Um, there's no pre- precedence for violins in pop. But violins with really rocky guitars, but a four to the floor dance beat and that filtered, amplified kind of and vocal. almost a, a rap like vocal. Yeah, in the verses. that punky spoken word thing. This was a record that sounded like nothing else, and it did okay. And, and that's the thing. You're right. It did okay. It nearly got there. It made a splash in the US. It did the number seventeen yeah. thing. It did number two Australia. So therefore, it really wasn't at the time considered a smash hit it was it performed well but it didn't perform to what we now know it to be in terms of its importance to the noughties um in particular noughties australian music exactly and have we uh if we were considering it as a single of say um previous flop stars like lady gaga or miley cyrus we would be considering a low top 20 entrance a flop basically correct yeah um, not to take away from their huge achievement because um, jumping the pond at that point was not easy at all um, and they deserved their success. But I think that it could have gone a little bit further had it been appreciated a little bit more and people didn't decide to appreciate Untouched more than a decade later. Yeah. What do you think were the other barriers in terms of crossing Australian music as a whole, but in particular crossing the Veronicas over? In, in the late noughties? What do you think was standing in their way at the time from being the biggest crossover act of all time? I don't know exactly. I, I think in a way um, Forever kind of rode the wave of the Max Martin, Dr. Luke rock, pop thing that Pink was already doing very successfully and Kelly Clarkson was already doing very successfully. Um, and then I feel like this next record, which really like did a detour into electro pop was almost a little bit early. Like people were still kind of phasing out that rock pop sound and they just went straight into like this dance floor banger sound, which really didn't start to happen. Well, it was starting to happen, I suppose, with Katy Perry and um, Lady Gaga and people like that. But I feel like they were just a little bit too early and that combined with this kind of international um, cultural cringe that people had for Australian pop where they didn't kind of acknowledge it. If it wasn't from the US or the UK, I think heard it as well. Yeah, all really good points. All really good points. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Great, we can end here. <laughs> Catch but, you next I mean, it's, it's, it is going to get easy to get hung up on um, untouched throughout this whole thing, but let's just say straight up that the album as well is great. Like yeah. it's 12 really excellent pop songs, which again for Australia is wild. Like I, I guess Delta Goodrum keeps coming up because that's the name in my head um, of the other pop star that was doing well at that time. But she was not making pop music that sounded so internationally digestible as the Veronicas were, and even Guy Sebastian and Jessica Malboy, who've done a brilliant job later on down the track, took a little while to warm up to making pop songs that were at that kind of calibre. Yeah, completely right. It was all a little bit too sort of straight down the line. It was all a little bit too what you would consider a mainstream song. There was no edge to it that really set those artists apart, whereas there was that absolutely that edge um, for for the Vs. 
And I just think it hooked me up the lead single as well, which went is still wild to me that it went number one in Australia because it so doesn't sound like a mainstream pop record now. Yeah. Nowadays, it just sounds so cool and it's got that like bass and those like really edgy lyrics. To me, it's like more in the field of like Tuve Lu's like cool girl or, or um, disco tits or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's got that. It, and everything about the Veronica's music had that grit to it. That just sort of like, yeah. you know, they're using all those distortion kind of effects and those amplifiers on their vocals and the high pass filter. Like it was just so, it had a cutting edge sound to it. It had a grit to it that not much yeah. pop music had at the time. It's, it's so exciting looking back at it. And you know what? Maybe pop wasn't ready for personalities at that point who were doing the most in yeah. a way. Yeah. Like, the Veronicas were very unashamedly emotional um, and very like confident and they had this attitude and they had this outspokenness, which kind of came later on with like your Gagas and your um, Katy Perry's and your Demi Lovato's and people like that who obviously now it's not a problem, but... 2007 we're talking about aren't we yeah yeah where the big it's, hits it's are kind the... of a different time where you still had to toe the line a little bit in terms of what you said publicly and what you said within your lyrics absolutely which is fucked and but looking that's at how it, was. <laughs> it is fucked um looking at the looking at the songs that were sort of holding it out from being a hit there were low slow tempo for starters um yeah. they were slow tempo songs there was leona lewis bleeding love there was apologize timberland yeah um colby calais bubbly was a hit fergie big girls don't cry was the longest running number one of 2007 you had slow tempo sad emotional but wow. safe music coming out and that's a really interesting comparison to look at the veronicas carving their own lane in a really different way at the time so can I just fast forward that a year then and look at the songs that were big hits then? Hot and Cold, I Kissed a Girl, obviously, mm-hmm. um, Four Minutes, Madonna, Seven Things Miley, which is a bit um, rock pop, yep. but Womanizer, Britney, they're all songs that are at that four to the four bold pop boom, sound. Boom, so boom. there you go. Yeah, they were You heard it here first, Veronica's ahead, ahead of their time. Yeah. Even the rock songs at the time, even even Kings of Leon, Sex on Fire, Kid Rock, All Summer Long, like they were fast, gritty, rock edge pop songs as well. Yeah. So yeah, the tempo went skyrocketed in the end of 2008. And to be kind of pushing the pop boundaries um, is impressive on an international scale, obviously, but to do that coming from Australia who has often been behind the conversation when it comes to pop music is even more impressive and testament to the fact that the Veronicas were just great, great pop writers who kind of went with their instincts and understood where the genre was headed. Don't we sound like we're being paid for this because we're just like realising how (laughs) fucking good they were? (laughs) I listened to it today and I was like, I totally forgot how great this record is and there's maybe one or two songs that i was on the fence about but there are all these like deep cuts like revenge is sweeter than you ever were um and even this love which i think was one of the like most underperforming singles on the album just like a-grade pop songs and like completely of a deserved of a place in the flop stars lineup a very um what's the word (laughs) 
I don't know. Move on. <laughs> Deserving. Um, should we play a game? Because I want to get. I want to talk about some of the particular songs on the album, but I can tell that your game that you've got prepared for the audience to follow along with, um, the beloved listener, um, is going to delve into some of these songs. So um, the game is called the Veronicas versus Australia, which seems like it's going to be difficult for them to take on the whole country. Yes. But I think you'll find they're more than able. Um, so the first matchup we've got is Untouched, obviously the second single off the album and what we've spent most of our time banging on about so far, versus Absolutely Everybody by Vanessa Amorossi. Oh, it's a hard one. I mean, Absolutely Everybody was um, 1999-2000 Olympics. There was a fever pitch in the air. We survived Y2K. Yeah. It was an absolute celebration. <laughs> um, I say we survived Y2K. I was four. You were not much older um so i don't really remember much no we definitely didn't do anything to aid the no fight that's it 2k to be i remember a celebratory moment in 2000 um mum took me to the olympics um to watch ian thorpe swim and we got there at like nine o'clock for ready for a full day and i had to go for a wee and I missed Ian Thorpe setting the world record, like the biggest race of the day. I'd made mum take me for a wee <laughs> and <laughs> came back and everyone's like up in the stands, like jumping and cheering and yelling and whooping and hollering. And I'm like, what's, hap- what's going on? What's happened in the last few minutes? <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm not the biggest fan of sport. Really? However, Ian Thorpe was my hero at the time. Um, and I did want to be Ian Thorpe when I grew up. Anyway, I'm grown now and I'm not Ian Thorpe. But I have a similar story that I got the times wrong for an interview that I had to do with an unnamed artist. And I had also been taken to the US Open for the first time to see Serena Williams, who is one of my other idols and I love her. Um, and in true Serena Williams fashion, the match was over in about 50 minutes. 40 of those I spent on the phone. No! <laughs> <laughs> so not so much bladder related, but disappointing nonetheless. Absolutely. I mean, Serena Williams is a, um, you know, that's a spectacle more than it is a sporting match. That's a, you know, you want to be part of it that. Is. You want to be part of that. Okay, yeah, ba- I back like to she's the, more of a... Back to the game. Considering yeah, we were doing a game. Let's move on. People are going to tune out if we keep going with this sports. This is talk. our celebratory Olympics podcast because the Tokyo Games are postponed. <laughs> um, Untouched. They both stand up as like ten out of ten pop songs. Vanessa Amorosi is like, yeah. like a hit machine. She had so many good songs. She was like a very necessary naughty's pop star. I don't think Australian pop yeah. would have been as lucky without her. But I think Untouched is just. So unique, it, it still gets everyone moving. It, it just it, it stands up as like a top tier pop song of the noughties. Yeah. Um, whereas absolutely everybody, whilst being great, probably sounds like 2001 and you couldn't put it out in 2020 again, whereas Untouched has stood the test of time, yeah. I reckon. Um, so it's Untouched for me. Having um, you said that, I do think they should give re-releasing absolutely everybody right now a, a shot. <laughs> Given the situation we're all in. Exactly. Bring the world together. It's important. Get, get like Hayden James to produce it or something like that and give it a little <laughs> renovation and, and pop it back out. <laughs> you got a good idea there. I oh. do agree with you, though. 
I think um, Untouched is is the winner for me. I think these would both probably be in the top ten of the best Australian pop songs, but I think Untouched is up there in like the top three. Don't don't ask me to name the other two because I'm not sure. Right <laughs> now. No, I'd be with you on that. Um, yeah, when you think about late noughties, it just it is instantly synonymous with it. Yeah. So the next um, matchup we've got is the first single and the title track, Hook Me Up, versus Pop a Bottle by the Queen Jessica Malboy. Oh, as long as it's not Saturday Night Simlish version, I'm happy to compete them, because otherwise that would be an instant hit. <laughs> Are you, uh, you really could not. That's one thing we agree on, that that is just the gold standard of pop in Australia. Absolutely. It's pop canon. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, hook me up. <laughs> so, Pop a Bottle was just like classic, like simple guitar riff uh, in the same style as Raise Your Glass by Pink. Like, just a classic yeah. pop song, electro production over a really simple guitar hook, simple four to the floor beat, anthemic chorus. Yeah. You know, it, it's a strong pop song. It's a really solid pop song. I think it was a DNA production who were like responsible for the majority of the late noughties, early tens in Australian pop music. Hook me, yeah. hook me up. As we talked about earlier, another one of those four to the floor, massive chorus, wonky, weird synths, that incredible bass yeah. on it, um, and then the, those sort of like really intense guitars. Um, so it's exciting. It's an exciting song. This is a really hard one for me, but I think in terms of what I prefer to listen to or see performed live, etc., I'm going to have to go pop a bottle, I think. I knew you were going to do that. What are you going to do? I knew you. I know you're a big pop a bottle fan. <laughs> to, you, you know that I um, love and respect Jessica Malboy like no other. Yeah. But um, pop a bottle is not one of my favorite Jay Malley tracks. Really? So I'm going to go hook me up for this one. Okay. Yeah. Fair, valid, very valid. Next battle, please. All right. For this one, we're doing um, Take Me on the Floor, which was used in a Dancing with the Stars promo at the time, that which aided its success on the chart. Thank you for that trivia. Its success in the in the 40 to 60 demographic. Versus Sia's first uh, US, first and only US um, number one, Cheap Thrills. Wow. Cheap Thrills, I have a distinct memory of hearing played at a, a lovely little party in a garden on a warm autumnal evening. And just like, it was being played quite loud and I didn't really like any of the people at the party. It was a, a, a party I went to with a fling, um, with an old yeah. flame. There was a short flame. <laughs> one, of my, one of my rare short flames. And I just remember because I didn't <laughs> want to talk to anyone there, I sort of immersed myself in Cheap Thrills and listened to it from top to tail and realised how fucking good it is it's such a masterclass yeah. in pop song um it's simple yeah. it's it's basic it's got those really s- classic sort of pop song lyrics she originally wrote it, i think for rihanna um thinking that it could work as a rihanna yeah. song and then obviously on that album of, of what turned out to be you know rejects from other artists put it out as a sea track i love cheap thrills not just quoting the song yeah. i think it is an incredible song take me on the floor kind of sits in the same realm as hook me up that said the 
It's one of the great pop shouts yeah. of all time. Um, so this yeah. is a very tough one. I think, though, just literally that moment and then every time I heard Cheap Thrills after it, except for the time that we saw Sia at, I think, ANZ Stadium with Amy Shark, Mo, and Charlie XCX in the fucking pouring rain for six hours. What a liner. Oh, my goodness. It was torrential. It was horrific. So that dampened the song for me. But I think Cheap Thrills, yeah. I'm going to have to go Cheap Thrills. Yeah. I think I'm the same. Take Me on the Floor is probably my least favourite single from the album. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Cheap Thrills, yeah, it's, it's kind of almost like CR was given the assignment to make like the perfect scientific hit and she just did it. Like yeah. it's got every single element of a massive hit and it was never going to fail. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can deny that. I'm going to go see as cheap thrills. I'm really glad we agree on that one. All right. The last battle in the Veronica's versus Australia. The last one is we've got this love, which was the third single up against in this life, which was the first single from Delta Goodrum's third album, simply titled Delta. You, didn't, you knew from the moment that Delta came out the gates that she was going to have a singular name, self-titled album. Yeah, 100%. Like, was she was just happen. waiting for it. Yeah, she was waiting And she picked wings. the perfect time. She was at the peak of her powers at this stage and she decided now's the time that I'm going to try out a Madonna and try out a Rihanna and just <laughs> chop the good drum. And it worked. We don't know any other Deltas. And it's interesting we're talking about this a couple of days after um, Global Citizen um, because Gaga Gaga scouted and curated her. um, And Gaga, I think, said in an interview the other day, she said, I can't believe I've gone my whole life without knowing or I might be mistaking that with a tweet from a random. Um, But I think someone said, someone important said, um, I can't believe I've gone my whole life without knowing who Delta Goodrum is. And she introduced herself to a brand new audience, like literally days ago. So I'm glad we're reviewing Amazing. Delta. With a song that she wrote for the Commonwealth Games when they were in Melbourne, I believe. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> love rehashing a song for the Olympics to reflect a global pandemic. <laughs> hey, bringing us together. That's what it's all about. <laughs> even if you miss, even if you miss forty minutes of the fifty-minute sporting event, um, so <laughs> in this life was u- also used as the third opening theme music to the Japanese Japanese anime series Deltora Quest between two thousand and seven and two thousand eight. Of course, pleased it to was. Know. Of course, it was um, co-written yeah. with Brian McFadden, iconic, um, and also was it really? Yeah, wow. Um, I think they were dating at the time. Delta's dating history is really yeah, interesting surely. to me. It's something I want to dive deep into. Not that women are the the Australian Calvin Harris and Rita Ora. <laughs> <laughs> in this life, does not stand up in the Delta Pop canon for me. This love, really? however, is second best single, almost first best on. Um, hook me up. I think the yearning in those yeah. vocals, um, the the production, how it goes from like heavy in the chorus to really sort of delicate in the verses, and um, you know lots of beep boop kind of sounds in the production. I think it's a it's a beautiful song. It's a big, broad, beautiful pop song. Um, so for me, I'm gonna go this love. I totally agree with you. I think it's it's like the most. Um, gentle and vulnerable single they released on the album and it's just like a, another masterclass in pop writing yeah 
However, if we were to put the two songs up against each other based on the variety of chairs they sat in in the video, then Delta Goodrum wins hands down. <laughs> Did you do a full count? <laughs> you, uh, you don't even have to do a count if you watch the Delta Goodrum video. She sits on more chairs than an Ikea model. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> Go back and watch it. It's required. It's homework. <laughs> Flopstar's homework this week is watch and count the amount of chairs okay. in the video. Deal. Um, okay, so the Veronicas have won most of those, which is actually the first game where I think our subject has come away as the undisputed winner. So the Veronicas beat Australia. Well done, the Veronicas. But, but what did Australia think of the Veronicas at the time? Do you think that when the album rolled out that they were considered to be Australia's premier pop act? Or do you think that people people who consider themselves to be cool music listeners thought the Veronicas were cool in inverted commas? This was a really interesting time in the indie versus mainstream world. Um, you had yeah. the, the big acts, Silverchair and Powderfinger were still quite big. Australia was still a real rock kind of nation. Pop was still considered something that was played on top 40 in quotation marks radio and something that, you know, that uncool people listen to. Um, so I don't think in any way they were considered cool by, um, by those, those sort of like, you know, by their target audience, essentially. Um, they were, yeah. they were definitely more of a teen, a teen act at the time that had, you know, had radio songs and were like parents liked them. Um, and they were, you know, likable on television and stuff, but I don't think they were, yeah, they, they weren't considered cool at the time, which is a really interesting look back. Which is funny because I feel like in basically every other country, um, pop music can kind of cut through and really relate to that sort of 19 to 30 demographic. And for some reason in Australia at the time, if you came close to the word pop at all, you were basically shunned into a box and that was it. And the music the Veronicas were making on this album was not for teenagers and it wasn't for 50 and 60-year-olds. It was for that demographic. Yeah. So it's it's just interesting to me that that's probably why it didn't do better than it did and become like the biggest album in the country for the year or something like that. Yeah. Is probably just because of that cultural cringe surrounding pop, which is annoying to me. And the same bloody people who, who would have shunned it at the time are the same ones that got them on every festival bill last summer. It kills me. And look, there's some kind of retribution in that, but it's still, it's been frustrating to watch such an excellent pop act and an excellent pop song be made into this sort of meme and made into this sort of joke. Yeah. Um, and that's always really, that, that's always quite upset me about the way that pop music's been treated in this country. It kind of went from being yeah, pop music's uncool, pop music's for, for basics to pop music is this funny joke that we'll start integrating into festivals and we'll always have that, like, you know, that naughty's pop act that will go amongst the indie bill. And then all of a sudden everyone that was 
you know, shunning pop music a couple of years ago, suddenly decided that pop music was credible. There was just this moment, this bang, yeah. where it just decided that pop music was credible and then all these people just decided that they're allowed to res- to appreciate pop music all of a sudden and that their past indiscretions are not, you know, are not valid anymore. And there's something about that that really yeah. pisses me off. Um, C- interestingly, credible to a point. Sorry, you go, you go, you go. I was just going to say critic, credible to a point because I don't, I still don't think that the artists that are going straight to commercial radio are appreciated as much as they should be in Australia. Um, it's almost like if you can't fit into the Triple J pool, then you're lame. You're straight to commercial radio. And I wonder if labelling Untouched as a joke is a way of kind of acknowledging their appreciation for it and the fact that it's a great song without having to declare themselves as a fan of Australian pop music, you know? It's like if you cover it in irony, you kind of tuck down your true feelings about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's interesting. I feel like there is an element, and like in so many problems in the world, there's an element of like toxic masculinity in this. I think that it's like yeah. men have a problem. It, this I think it particularly stems from men have a problem acknowledging that a song by two powerhouse women from the noughties yeah. that is considered a girly in quotation marks pop song was actually fucking brilliant. Men have always had a problem yeah. with that in the same way that they've had a problem hugging their friends or asking their friends if they're okay. Um, I feel like yeah. I feel, I genuinely feel like those things are connected um, under this umbrella Absolutely, of me this, too. this masculinity complex. It's a, it's a fucking strange place to be, but yeah. Yeah. But thank God this album took it and just, um, basically lyrically stomped on every exactly. X and every surrounding man <laughs> in a brilliant way, which leads me nicely to my next game, um, which pits two women being the Veronicas up against two men being um, the movie twins. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get this. Which I have never seen. And I have very little information about it. However, the people I am currently quarantined with have been talking about it a lot. So when we thought of the Veronicas, I immediately thought of this. So please don't ask me for a synopsis of the film. Well, I was about I to say, I am not a movie person. I, I have no attention me span neither. for movies. Um, so this is going to be interesting and will potentially be running off my um, visual and and rough interpretations of the people so don't yeah but i'm interested so to give you as much as to give you as much as i know it um featured Ar- arnie schwarzenegger and danny devito as kind of unlikely twins yes i know this movie that's as much as i know <laughs> so <laughs> so what i'm going to do it's called the game's called film twins or pop twins and i'm going to give you either a lyric from the Veronica's album, Hook Me Up, or I'm going to give you a quote from the movie and you've got to tell me what it's from. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Go for it. All theory, no practice, story of my life. I'm imagining little old Danny DeVito saying, all theory, no practice. (laughs) Was he old at the time? Story of my... I feel like Danny DeVito is one of those people that's always been old. Like he's never been under 40. Um, yeah, <laughs> he probably was in this like movie. The Queen. That, <laughs> that's that's one. Oh, that's a hard one. I think 
that would have been that doesn't oh, ah this isn't really helpful. I'm gonna go with the with the movie twins. I'm gonna go with Arnie and Danny. Yeah, yes. you're correct. It is the movie twins. Good gear. <laughs> All right, next one. You don't know what kind of enemy I am. Oh, that sounds like more of like a spy movie, like a like a um, like a Men in Black or something that would say that rather than a, a fun little family movie like Danny DeVito and Arnie's movie. Um, what was it called again? What was the movie called? I love how you. So it was called Twins. I love oh, how you're giving it a genre now. Having not seen it, it could be an action movie for all we know. <laughs> Isn't it? Hang on. Wasn't it about how they adopted tw- they adopted twins? Was that that one, or is that two men and a baby? Oh, look, I that's another movie. Yeah, I'm thinking of another movie. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go. That sounds like a Veronica's lyric to me. It sounds like the kind of like evil sci-fi action shit they'd put in their lyrics. So I'm gonna go Veronica's. It's actually not. It's a quote from Twins. God damn it. Okay, next up. You negotiate first and you attack last. Negotiate first and you attack last. Well, now that, now that the last one was a, a quote from Twins, I'm presuming this is a quote from Twins as well because it sounds all action-y. It doesn't sound like a song lyric, so I'm going Twins again. <laughs> that, that one is Twins. I tried to catch you out on that one. Not you, yep. See, I know you. I know your gameplay strategy. <laughs> all right, next one is... Um, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm trying to think of a song from the V's with that in, but I'm just going to, it's got to be the Veronica's because we haven't had any Veronica's yet. I'm just going off st- game <laughs> structure. <laughs> I've absolutely fucked up. It is the Veronica's. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me that you'd changed it just to try and catch me. What song's that from? Um, that's from Revenge. Okay. Revenge is sweeter than you ever were. Yeah. One of the greats. One final one. Now that I've just this completely ruined the game. This game's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just one perfect kid, mum had the two of us. Just one perfect kid, mum had the two of us. Well, oh, that, they're both twins. Um, uh, mum had the two. Is this from that mama's... It's not Mother's Daughter, but it's a song Mother Mother by the Veronicas. Is it a Veronica's lyric? I can't tell you any. I can't tell you. Well, I'm, I'm answering the Veronicas, so you have to tell me. Oh, you are answering. Yeah. No, that's from Twins. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was from that brilliant right, song from their on. first album, Mother Mother or whatever it was called. But, <laughs> yeah, I believe that's a cover, actually. Oh, okay. Shows you how much I know. Yeah. Moving on. All right. On, on we go. <laughs> you did quite well, given I fucked it all up. No, you didn't fuck it all up. It was great. All right. Well, I want to um, just come off the back of my terrible game and just hit you with a hard question. Okay. Um, is Hook Me Up by the Veronicas one of the best Australian pop albums of all time? Oh, that is a big question. Very rude of you. Um... All time, no. I'm not going to say it is the one of the best albums of all time. I think it's got a hit rate of about half. I reckon about half of the songs on the album are hits. Half of them are not as strong. Um, still good, but not like best pop album of all time level. Um, 
I would say it's one of the best pop albums of the 2005 to 2010 region, um, but not one of the best okay. Australian pop albums of all time. No. What about you? Um, look, I don't know because I'm trying to think of other ones that I really like, but I would say of the Australian albums I owned when I was growing up, this is the best one. <laughs> How many did you buy? I reckon I had a lot. I think I was a big, big fan of Australian pop music. I had everything from Cosima DeVito's debut album, Cosima. See, to, she did the Delta. To, I um, got the day off school and mum took me... Um, I got the day off school and mum let me go and buy... I, it must have been Delta's, maybe her first album because I was very, very young. So... That's how much of a connoisseur of Australian <laughs> pop music I am. I had forever the single on CD. I was a singles guy. I never usually bought albums as a kid. Um, I had, wow. but I had forever. I had. For, I think I had hooked me up as well. The single, not the album. Um, and I had. I had Ricky Lee's Sunshine on CD, which came with the instrumental version of Sunshine. Which, I'd, I have the same. Oh, so good. And it's something that lots more people need to do is put instrumentals of songs on. And I spoke to... This is completely off track considering we're meant to be tightening up the podcast. But Ricky... Ricky, <laughs> I, I quizzed Ricky on why she put an instrumental version of her own song on her CD. And she said it was because when she was a kid, she always wanted, she always wanted to be able to sing along to the songs herself and not have the vocalist wow. fucking around all over the top. So that's why she decided to put the instrumental of her own song onto the CD single, which I am obsessed with. I love that. Well, I once got um, The Hamster Dance on CD single and that also came with an instrumental version. <laughs> did you have um, Das Klein Crocodile? Um, schna- yes, schnappy I did. Das Klein Cro- yep. Do you know Schnappy? Schnappy, yeah. Schnappy, Schnappy. That had a, Great a song. bunch of remixes on. It was a single, but it had like nine songs on it and they were all just different versions, like a Tala. Well, I mean, now we're <laughs> considering Schnappy and um, the Hamster Dance suddenly the, hook me up by the Veronica's Paddles. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> a complete failure to acknowledge other cultures' languages on Hook Me Up, I think. What do you mean? <laughs> What was Schnappy? Schnappy was German. Schnappy was German. It's a good point. It's a good point. (laughs) What was the hamster dance? We'll just end the podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. We are absolutely dragging this out. Um, But I think we should talk a bit about what the album did for them in the US um, and the UK, particularly in terms of future prospects. Did it set them up for a pop career or did it not really do enough? This is the hard one. I think it did all the right things, um, particularly in the US. They had a couple of like mild hits that would have obviously shown that they have some kind of propensity to be to be pop stars um, and to, to break that market. Yeah. But uh, then the UK thing, I think possibly threw a spanner in the works where they were kind of working a timeline that was two years old in the UK whilst they were ready to get moving again for Australia and the US particular. Um, yeah. And, and move on with new material. This old material was starting to break the UK market. So there were a couple of failures from the global arm of the label at the time, um, which is really interesting yeah. because then their relationship with, with that particular record label started to really falter. Um, and yeah. it, it went very sour, quite publicly very sour, um, when they had their first number one um, 
of their new era, if you will, in the 2010s, um, they posted a tweet saying "fuck you" to their old record label, um, which is which is pretty intense uh, and shows how sour that relationship. What a way to got. celebrate! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think there were. I don't think any any of the blame can be put onto Jess and Lisa. I think this was a strategic. The strategy was was riddled with error at the time, yeah. um, and and that was the, part and of the problem s- of of having quite a- sad. Not sorry. No, you go. Just I was, talking I was all over ra- you. No, I was just rabbiting. Um, it's quite sad. I think that obviously there were plenty of problems, like internal problems, that kind of stopped them from releasing an album for a long time after hook me up and kind of ensured that all the momentum that they gained with that locally had died down by then. That said, they have had two number one singles since that album in Australia, which is quite impressive. So Um, good. For a country that doesn't like to give a lot of of time for any pop women who are over a certain age. So I think they're doing a good job and I think there could be some genuine excitement about whatever they're going to do next, given that, um, Untouched has had this resurgence for whatever reason. Totally. I've got a game for you, Sam. Are you ready? I'm so excited. Okay. It's based off a game we did a couple of weeks ago that I can't remember which episode it was. Um, so we'll move on. Was it Brittany? Possibly. No, that was... No. Anyway, I'll tell you what it is and maybe we'll remember. It's Untouched or Another Touch. So you've got to rate the quality of Untouched, the song from Hook Me Up, the successful single across the globe, um, to another song that has the word touch in it. And I've chosen touch songs from very different eras. Um, I haven't gone with like touch songs all from right now. I've gone with different eras. So first up, I want you to cast your mind back... Not that you were alive when it was released, but Phil Collins had an incredible song called Invisible Touch. Put that against Untouched, which is the better song. I've I don't think I've ever heard Invisible Touch. Are you joking? Touch. It goes da 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 Invisible Touch. Wait, can I just can I just do a quick Google and just yeah, maybe I have. If my sung version of it wasn't strong enough for you, absolutely welcome to. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't Phil Collins. It was his band Genesis. So same thing. You haven't done your research. Haven't put the work in yet again. Same shit. All right, I'm gonna play it and just. Okay, so I vaguely know it, but, like, not enough to make it win over Untouched. Okay, that's fair. That's a f- So let's revisit that next week, and I'll spend the week with Genesis's <laughs> Invisible Touch, <laughs> and then I'll have a more informed opinion for you. <laughs> What's the other podcast you do called? Can't remember. That, put, stuck with you. Put it on Stuck with you. I'm not getting stuck with Genesis. <laughs> Get stuck with Genesis. Thank <laughs> you for the cross-promo. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're putting, you're definitely going untouched. I will also go yeah. untouched. I reckon. Um, love Invisible yeah. Touch, but it's also not Phil Collins or Genesis's best song. They've got better. Uh, let's go a little bit more modern, so that you <laughs> you know. The Phil Collins fan has jumped out. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Phil stan, and now he gets his he gets <laughs> his son to drum for him now, which I'm obsessed with. Um, yeah, that's nice. That's cute. 
It's like literally him and an 18-year-old child on the drums, and that's the band. Um, Untouched or Touch by Little Mix. One of the great electro-pop hits of the late teens. I think if you spoke to any kind of um, focus group of people, they would come to a decisive um, decision that Untouched is the Veronica's best song and Touch is Little Mix's best song. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. This is hard. They're both good. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think of a reasoning I'd give to go one over the other. But I think um, I think Untouched has just a little bit more oomph to it. So I'm going to go Untouched. Okay. Very nice from you. Um, I'll probably go Untouched as well. Yeah. Touch is, is so good, but it's not the... It's great. Great pop song. Not the best song of the year. So it doesn't win for me, but it's up there. Not the best song of the year. No, but it's up there. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. Final, yeah. final one in Untouched or Another Touch. Untouched by the Veronicas or I Touch Myself by the Divinals. Phenomenal This is song. really tough. Covered the world two over. Two great Australian acts. Incredible. What are you going to go between these two? Um... Side note, I saw some uh, something came up on YouTube the other day that someone had covered I Touch Myself for um, like a version and it was something redacted. <laughs> I have to go and find out who it was. Whilst you... No. <laughs> like a version. <laughs> Tapping away. Oh I've, se- oh, I've now seen who it is. Oh, no, that can stay. That can, that can remain. Right. What are we going? Untouched or I touch myself? Putting our foot. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, divinals. Um, <laughs> over on. Oh gosh. I don't know. I know it's hard, isn't it? The yeah, the like devil's advocate in me wants to go for untouched, but I, like I touch myself is kind of like got to be one of the most definitive songs in like Australian history, surely. Yeah, and if any of our international listeners haven't listened to this song by an incredible rock band from the eighties that is still covered on probably a weekly basis and sometimes in a really good way. Um, there's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful piano version that was sung by a bunch of Australian women um, in music for breast cancer research. That yeah. was just so incredible. Um, yeah. So I reckon I know what you're going here. Yeah. I'm going to go. I touch myself. I, f- I feel a civil duty. Good. Pledge allegiance to the divinals, to, to the incredible late, great Chrissy Amphlett. Um, I'm going to go, I yeah. touch myself as well. What a fucking masterclass song. I know I've used that word a couple of times today, but God, that song is just all time, will always stand up. And, and that was kind of my, yeah. that was my challenge with this game. I was like, is there a song that has touch in it that's better than untouched? And I had to rack my brain. And I'm glad I put that in there because I originally had regular touch by Vera Blue. I changed it out about five minutes ago. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. When I read Invisible Touch, I was thinking regular touch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that would have would have won. No. God bless Vera Blue. Yeah. But, Tis well. um, great. There you go. Great. Good game. I like it. Happy I couldn't that. lose. Well, I nearly lost because I didn't know one of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're coming towards the uh, closing time of the song. So racing let's wrap this. towards the racing finish. towards the finish line. Let's wrap this shit up. And we're also racing um, towards the end of the season as well. I know, but we won't give that away. Yeah, we've got two really good episodes left. Yeah, 
and then we'll take probably a week's break, if that, and <laughs> we'll yeah. probably just take the same break that we normally do, which is roughly yeah. eight to nine we days. Do. <laughs> yeah. And then come <laughs> We do have our um, season wrap party in the Bahamas as yeah, well, so exactly. we need to allow time to travel back to our respective homes <laughs> after that. Quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> We've been going for 52 minutes. <laughs> Oh my god! And what like twenty seconds has been about the Veronica? Guys, this is the um, one, this is the one episode where Sam said to me at the start. Now I've got um I've got something I've got to do. I've got an appointment at um at eight o'clock. So we're gonna have to like not rabbit on as much as we normally do. And this has been our most rabbity episode yet. I love it. <laughs> the best way to get me to have a very long conversation is tell me I've got plans in roughly an hour's time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just punching through this, I, I just want to hear one song from you that wasn't a single on the album that you think should have been a single. Um, I would have to go... Revenge is Sweeter wasn't a single, was it? No. Nah. Revenge is Sweeter. That or was it a single? No, nah, I don't think it was. Surely not. It, that would have been like six singles. It didn't do well if it was. Um, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd go Revenge is Sweeter. I, I, I would say the same as you. I think revenge is sweeter. Lock it in. Great. Agreed on that. Cool. All right. So we've talked a little bit about what happened to the Veronicas after this album, but they've come back now. They've had their MTV reality series and they've always kind of managed to keep themselves peppered in the gossip pages of the papers. But um, if the Veronicas were to release an album tomorrow, do you think they've still got hit potential? 100%. Absolutely. Particularly in Australia, and I know we like to think about the global propensity of these records, and this is the first um, you know, big Australian act that we've looked at um, in this podcast. It's all been um, US and UK so far. Um, yeah. Hang on. Just yeah. nearly clocked yourself in your head yeah, with nearly, the microphone. Nearly whomped myself. Um, I... I... Cut this. I reckon absolutely they've got potential to have another hit. Um, they came back after a long hiatus with "You Ruin Me," um, and that was just that just blew everyone away. It was completely opposite to what yeah. we knew from the Veronicas. It showed an entire new emotional depth to them. Um, they had a bunch of like slightly more upbeat hits. Then what I've what I've been really interested in them doing recently though is they've gone a bit more alt, and so they've been working on stuff with um, smaller Australian acts, but incredible Australian acts like All Day and yeah. Mall Rats been making music with and for them um japanese wallpaper i believe has been involved in some of the music so they've really gone yeah to just like whoever they think is making the coolest music right now um and and they've they've they're working with the people that are setting the tone of what Australian pop music sounds like. Whether that will translate yeah. overseas in the size and bre- and broadness um, that the early music did, whether they've still got potential to do that is yet to be seen and it will come down to the quality of the music at the end of the day. But I absolutely yeah. believe and, and know that they've got the potential for, for more hits in them. And I think they're, they're going to have a consistent career for a very long time to come. Yeah. I agree with you. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see them getting um, a little play on Triple J with whatever they come back with. I reckon I that's that a good tip. we've point where that could actually happen, which is quite amazing that we've gone almost, what, um, 15 years without 
Triple J kind of acknowledging Australia's big pop acts. And now I think it actually could happen. And it just goes to show they're still brilliant songwriters. Absolutely. um, They still have the chops to make it happen. And I I just want to say, I just want to say, I just want to say, I'm giving a speech now. (laughs) I'm just so emotional. (laughs) I just think they've done a great job repping for um, Australian music globally over the past 15 years when they've been dipping their heads in and out. And I think if you go on any kind of pop forum internationally, everybody knows the Veronica's name, even if they weren't having hits on the charts. So I think they've done a great job. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think I think also talking about, you know, earlier I was getting quite passionate about the, the treatment of which pop music has, has received, but I think any respect on pops on the pop world and respect on pop musicians is a good thing and so if triple j go ahead and add add the veronicas to rotation with with upcoming music that's a good thing there's nothing negative about that um opening them up to a wider audience is always a good thing to get good australian music and to get good music in front of people should always be seen as a positive thing it's never a negative it's never you know they shouldn't be allowed to do this Good music is good music and it should be heard by the people. And that is that on that mic drop. <laughs> you've just wrapped it up. You've decided that you've got the last word this week. <laughs> what else have you got? Come on. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I should say something really profound. Like, no, you um, just did. You just did. No, I won't say that. <laughs> the Veronicas think 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> They do not think that. They don't think that. We're not getting sued for defamation this this far down in the Correct. season. Rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on Spotify so you get the notifications when the podcast is posted. Um, that's my uh, effort at putting some anchoring into the show from my end um, rather than just Great. banging on. Um, have, have a lovely week. You have a lovely week too. See you in roughly eight to nine days for our <laughs> next episode. Um, which is going back to an international pop giant. Oh, and you just won't want to miss I'm it. I'm excited about this. I haven't listened to this out. Al- I genuinely haven't listened to this album in like since it came out 10, 15 years ago. And I'm so excited to dive yeah. into it. Um, that is next yeah, week I'm on ready. Flop Stars. Goodbye. Bye.